0: This is Making Shift Happen, and I'm your host, Jen Cates. Over the years, I've coached hundreds of clients to find their ideal self through the way they nourish their bodies and minds, and now I'm here to help pass on these same strategies to you. So let's stop the madness and get your results once and for all. Let's go. Hello, friends. Welcome, welcome. Thank you for joining me today, because today is yet another topic I absolutely love talking about. And I know I love talking about a lot of things, but the core, your core is, is literally everything. It, it helps stabilize your entire body, whether you're standing or if you're on your bike, because the big difference between your core engagement when you're standing versus when you're on the bike, however, is that the bike changes the way that you engage your core overall. And this is why, you know, core is incredibly important for all sports, but especially for mountain biking or really any type of cycling sport that, that you might participate in. And that's really why I want to talk about that today, because it is something that I see all too often with folks that I work with or that I'm friends with and, and I ride with or what have you. Uh, or even people on Instagram reach out to me because they're experiencing back pain or something like that, and it's it's generally speaking a lot of their ailments. Now, of course, I will never I will never assess someone and tell them what's wrong with them. You know, if anything, I will I will forward them kindly to my <laughs> PTs, my physical therapists that I have in my network. But you know, it is one of those things where it's just common knowledge on certain aches and pains that a lot of their ailments could pertain or be related to just having a weaker core. So just something to think about. Um, But, you know, keep in mind, the bike is an unstable object that you're sitting on when you're pedaling. So to make it more stable, your core really does play an even greater or more crucial role because you're trying to balance on top of basically a spinning object. (laughs) And, you know, because of that, it's one of those situations where the core, the dynamic of your core, the importance of your core rather is just going to be mind blowing. And like I hinted at earlier, you know about like low pack low back pain and things like that, I want you to I want you to kind of pause real quick and just check in during this podcast or during this episode rather, and ask yourself, you know, have you ever experienced low back pain? Do you experience hip pain? do you have a hip flexor that seems, endlessly, endlessly tight and you just, you feel like you, maybe you, you can't stretch it enough, or maybe it's just not a, you know, it's not responding to any of your stretches. If you've answered yes to any of these things, you you have to consider that maybe it's not a tight hip that you need to stretch, but you might need a stronger core because really many PTs in my referral network we often discuss because we nerd out with one another, but we'll often discuss, uh, you know, with me about how many of these things that I just outlined in terms of low back pain and other things can actually stem from or be caused by having a weaker core. So as you can imagine, increasing your overall strength and stability can be a huge game changer in your performance and your your body's health, both on and off the bike. And that's, that's really why I wanted to talk about the core. And, and just drive home about how important it can be in your training. So even if you feel like you don't have time to necessarily maybe do a full strength training program, at least incorporate a core training program into your, into your training or into your workouts in some capacity. And this is regardless of whether you're racing or not, because ultimately, you know, the less pain that your body can be in, the more resilient it can be, the better off you'll be in the long run. So I'm sure you're wondering, Jen, just tell me which exercises I need to do. <laughs> uh, so, hey, which movements should you do to increase your core strength? I'll, I'll definitely outline a few things, um, but keep in mind, this is not an all-inclusive, you know, exhaustive list. This is just going to be kind of skimming the surface a little bit. Because in, in all truth, I could probably do like dozens of episodes on the core and I probably will (laughs) just because I'm hoping that this podcast will obviously last for years to come but for the sake of this particular episode I just wanted to talk about the importance of core so that way you can get a little bit more interested all right now when it comes to exercises and recommending any type of movements and things like that for your core health I highly highly recommend rotational movements as well as anti-rotational movements. And I really find that these are some of the best core enhancers that you can do to increase your core strength and endurance, period. Uh, And these are very, I feel, very crucial, especially if you have ever experienced low back pain or hip pain or things like that. Now, Anti-rotational movements, in case you're wondering, <laughs> uh, because rotational movements are pretty, that's kind of self-explanatory, but let, let me actually, let me go ahead and explain those to you. So rotational movements, think about when you're just doing twists or you're reaching up to get something from a high shelf, you know, uh, like I always have to do because I'm shorty Mc40. Um, but any type of twisting, you know, that you're doing and that's pretty, you know, kind of basic explanation for it. Now, anti-rotational movements are, of course, <laughs> ones that you that do just that. They force you to stabilize against or uh, resist twisting or rotating against a force that's basically being placed on your trunk or your upper body, okay? And, you know, for these rotational and anti-rotational movements, Oh gosh, there's an endless list of exercises, but let me just give you a handful. Like maybe like a dozen or so, all right? Uh let's see. Bird dogs. Bird dogs are probably the most common thing to to prescribe. Um especially in like a PT setting or someone, you know, with an athlete that is maybe wanting to enhance their engagement with their core. Uh and it just helps with coordination and everything. I, I and there's variations of bird dogs you can do you can obviously progress them which is great Uh, Russian twists are obviously a good twisting movement same thing with bandit chops or even chops with a dumbbell that's also a really great alternative if you don't have bands Um, but those are fantastic for rotational movements pal presses are really good for anti-rotational. Same thing with uh, single leg deadlifts. <laughs> so anything that will incorporate deadlifts is going to make me happy. But, you know, if you add in a single leg deadlift, it's, it's going to not only help you with that hinging movement, but it's also going to help you, you know, stabilize that core as you're reaching for that ground with the weight in your hand, whether it's kettlebell, dumbbell, or what have you, or mace or sandbag or what have you. And what I love doing is actually doing like a contralateral loaded single leg deadlift, which let me explain that because I don't want your eyes to glaze over. Uh, but that is basically when the weight is in the the hand that is opposite of the foot that is down. So the foot that is planted in a single leg deadlift that is in on the ground, uh, that is going to be your stable point. And then you're going to be hinging at your hip and you're going to have the weight in the hand that is opposite of that foot, if that makes sense. Okay. So that's what's considered a a contralateral type of loading. And I love anything that is contralaterally loaded because it automatically has you engage your core. And, you know, another option too is, um, let me think. Like a suitcase deadlift is another really good option as well. And that is is kind of like how it sounds. It's almost like if you're doing a deadlift, lifting something off the ground, like a kettlebell or a, uh, uh, what's it called dumbbell, <laughs> and you're lifting it off the ground and you're using it with one hand. So you're only weighting one hand. You, uh, you're only using one devil, one you know kettlebell, what have you. And that will help because you're trying to keep that core stable as you're standing up that is anti-rotational. So again, it's a simple movement, but it's something that is helping you build your core while you're also working other musculature in your body, which is really awesome. And then speaking of like single arm and single leg stuff, single arm bench presses or also rows if you're bent over, whether it's with dumbbells or a T-Rex or whatever, Those items can also be considered, you know, anti-rotational because again, you're trying to keep that core nice and stable while you're going through that movement, which is awesome. And then of course, my personal favorite (laughs) in the, the endless and endless plank variations, uh, such as, you know, things like, gosh, shoulder taps, uh, hip taps. If you want to advance that, you can also do side planks with bands, you know, do bandit rows with a a side plank. You can also do um, plank pulls. Oh, I love plank pulls. And, you know, if you're wondering what the hell a plank pool is, let me try to explain it. It's basically when you're in a high plank. So you're on your your hands, your hands are underneath your shoulders, you're in that high plank, and then your feet are behind you kicked back into a regular traditional plank. These are the planks that you typically see in other workouts, right? Then you you basically have a weight that is, say, for example, you're on your hands and your feet in a plank, in a high plank. And you have a weight that's on the outside of your left hand, right? So you're going to actually take that right hand, your right hand, reach around that left hand, grab that weight or, or like a weight plate or kettlebell or sandbag, or whatever. Of course, depending on the weight, you need to progress in weight. Um, then you're going to take that weight and bring it back over to your right side. Then you're going to plant your right hand and then take your left hand and bring that weight that's on the on your near your right hand, and bring it back to where you just had it. I love those types of planks. You know, plank pulls. Uh, those are some of my favorite anti-rotational movements. And plus, they're pretty fun and they're they're really challenging. If you do want to make your your base your plank a little bit more stable, you can go ahead and widen your feet a little bit, and that will be a great place to to start from. You know, if you want to go ahead and progress safely. But beware, those can get pretty spicy. So, you know, that was that was a good, I don't know, maybe a dozen or so uh, exercises you could do or a half dozen exercises. I don't know, I didn't keep count. But one thing to keep in mind is that the further out your arms and or your legs are from your core, the more complicated the movement often becomes naturally, right? Think about, it. you know, things like walking planks or long planks when you're inching out your hands above your your head or getting your feet even further out you know or overhead pile-off presses or dead bugs with dumbbells going overhead or out in front of you all of these movements take your arms and legs further away from you and they and they increase the intensity of how much you need to recruit your deep Core muscles for stability, and this is because the further away your your legs and arms are, the more your body naturally tries to engage the core in order to keep it stable and safe. You know, the key word being safe, because your body is always trying to keep itself safe, especially your head for obvious reasons. You need to have a brain in order to actually, you know, be a, a living being uh, by definition of life, um, and your joints. And, you know, so it's trying to, your body's trying to innately keep the head safe as well as your joints safe, because this is what helps reduce injury overall. But if you, if you have a weaker core in the process of doing those more complex core exercises, you basically can start to engage other muscles in order to to help or assist your core. And this is the one reason you may feel other muscles working while you do core exercises. You know, if you ever feel your low back, for example, when you do some core exercises or, you know, maybe your glutes might not be firing depending on what you're doing. If that's the case, Um, ask yourself if you ever if you ever feel your hip flexors excessively working when you're trying to do sit ups or a, a crunch variation. And if so, then chances are high that you're not engaging your deep core muscles when you're curling up, when you're flexing your spine and you're bringing yourself up into that crunch or sit up position. Okay. So hopefully that's helped answer some questions for you based on maybe what you've experienced thus far with core exercises and movements and things like that. But I will go ahead and say that whatever exercises you choose to do, start at the beginning with the basics. And you know, I know that this is boring AF and I know you want to do the fancy schmancy exercises you see the fitness influencers doing on Instagram. And yes, it will feel like you're regressing a bit, but I assure you that you're not. You're simply stepping back and you're pressing pause on that ego of yours in order to increase the strength of your, of your core overall, because sometimes you need to step back for a bit in order to step forward, to get more shit done and to, and to see a better improvement in your strength and performance. And that's okay. I want you to give yourself permission to master the basics before progressing and advancing. I'm going to say that again, if I can remember what the hell I just said. (laughs) Uh, I want, I want you to give yourself permission to master the basics before progressing and advancing these movements and advancing other exercises, regardless of whether it's core workouts or core movements that you're doing or other movements, it doesn't matter. Really, all movements should should be treated this way, okay? And this is this is ultimately why I do program, you know, all of the movements in my Shred Strong program as well as with my one-on-one clients. I I. I program them to progress in advance every two to four weeks, all right? No, not every workout is new or anything like that because honestly, while that does keep the boredom level low, the downside is that if every single workout was new and brand spanking new, then it's one of those things that you're not able to ultimately see how you're actually progressing. And this is not a knock on other methods or methodologies rather of fitness and and movement and health that you know for example crossfit yeah i'm a crossfit coach uh, part part time you know i do it just because i love it and i've been doing crossfit for maybe about like i don't know 10 years or so right um although in the last couple of years i've kind of stepped back from crossfit a little bit and have done a little bit more specific training and my body personally for me just feels better it feels healthier feels stronger it feels more stable um, but it's not a knock on those types of methodology because those do bring people success. However, if you're working on a specific sport, it can be advantageous for you to work on movements that are specific for that sport. Uh, that way you're also moving in different planes because that is my one big, big beef with, you know, CrossFit and in certain uh training protocols, they don't have you move laterally, for example. That is my biggest complaint. You know, when's the last time you've seen a, a CrossFit workout or CrossFit Games workout that had the athletes, you know, uh do side-to-side stuff? And not really a ton. You know, they'll they'll have them do sprints around certain barriers. Uh, well, that's pretty much about it. So, Again, you know, not knocking any type of training protocol, but if you are trying to train specifically for a certain sport, guess what? You should probably train specifically for that sport and not do a bunch of hodgepod stuff. So, you know, the reason that I do have repetitive workouts in periods of two to four weeks, and I'm probably going to have to do an episode now at this point on like programming and how I approach programming uh, later on, but you know, it's one of those reasons it's, it's because you basically learn the movements in your first workout, right? The first week. Great. Cool. I'm familiar with the work, the movements, getting used to everything and how things flow. Uh, and then as you progress next week, you're like, holy shit, I can actually do something that I wasn't necessarily able to do the week before. So you're already able to see your progress and guess what? That feels, that feels fucking great. That feels amazing. And that's why you know varying your workouts every single time every week rather is really not going to get you to the faster results um that much quicker uh, or that that quickly so i'm real big on re- on repetitive and making it training an actual training specific training because it, it works, you know, this allows you to get to know the movements and get comfortable with them the first week. Then you can add more reps or resistance the following week and so on and so on. So another thing that I'm really big on is the rep ranges. So instead of pushing you to complete X number of reps, for example, I encourage my athletes to get into a certain rep range that's within about one to five reps in re- reserve or, or RIR And basically RIR is basically the number of reps you have before failure of that movement. So if I'm asking for like two RIR, I want you to get into a range or pick a weight or resistance and get into a range that is within, you know, two reps of your failure, two reps of you feeling like you have nothing left in the tank to give that movement. And the reason for this is because this allows you to progress at your pace and no one else's. And I find, and and research supports this concept, of course, I find that this method of seeking out reps is much better at helping you manage your energy levels and progression overall. You know, maybe you're not feeling well, or maybe you're getting ready to start your period if you're a menstruating individual, or uh, maybe you hardly slept the night before. Maybe your kid woke you up, or maybe you just had crappy sleep. Who knows? And maybe you think, you don't think that, that you can get to a certain rep range. And you know, we'll have no fear because that few, this basically allows you to do the rep number that feels best for you on that day. Because after all, not every workout can feel amazing. Believe me, I want every workout to feel amazing, but not every, every workout will feel amazing. Some will feel kind of meh. Some will feel okay. And others will feel great. And some will feel amazing, but not all of them. Okay. Okay. So as a reminder, you don't have to do those wickedly complicated exercises you see on Instagram in order to get you know, sculpted abs or a strong core or whatever you want. If anything, those exercises really could cause too much strain or pressure on your your low back, for example, or other vulnerable parts of your body, putting you at ultimately at, at greater risk of injury. And that's definitely not something that I would think that you would want. And this is why it's important to start with the basics. Progress safely through to the more advanced movements and then master each of the movements as best as you can while keeping really good solid form. Then once a year, at a minimum really, go back to the basics and progress from there again. And this is because it's always a great idea to go back to the basics and it's not to bore the ever living hell out of yourself, but it's to help you actually get a good grasp on the basics to master them. And the more that you have the balance mastered and you more, the more that you have the movement mastered and the stability mastered, the easier, the more advanced movements are for you. So maybe if you think of the basics that, that way, you'd better appreciate their importance in your overall strength and stability, okay? So think of it that way. The better you master the basics, the much easier... The, the the more advanced movements will be for you. Okay, if you have any questions about anything that I talked about in this episode, feel free shoot me a DM in Instagram at Shift Human Performance. I am on there. I love talking about this. But you know, all in all, I just want you to think about ways that you can incorporate some core movements maybe use some of the movements that I talked about. I do have a lot of those movements actually recorded on my own YouTube channel. Uh, Of course, it's Shifting Performance. Go ahead and and search for that on YouTube. I do have a lot of those movements outlined in there. And, you know, it's one of those situations where just start with the basics, advance, try to get into, you know, maybe doing a movement that is within like three to four reps in reserve. So RIR. And then, you know, do that for a couple weeks. Then, yeah, get down to like, progressing the rep scheme to being within one to two reps in reserve for you, whatever that is, you know, maybe at least 10 reps um, on up to 20 reps just depends on the movement. But I think that's a good place to start. And of course, if this is like giving you a headache and you don't want to do the programming yourself, I do have the Shred Strong program and we do start soon. We are starting on Monday, October 11th. This is the same exact program that I follow year round because it works. And this is why I do it. You know, it is something that will also brings me joy and you, it will help you feel strong and powerful on the bike. And of course, much more resilient and injury free overall. And that's my goal for you. Basically the shred strong program. If you haven't heard about it before, it's a year long periodized progressive strength and conditioning program specifically for mountain bikers. But I do have a lot of folks in there who are mountain bikers and runners or mountain bikers and skiers and snowboarders and things like that. And that's fine because that works. And oh, I do have a lot of rock climbers too. Uh, And that's fine because a lot of these movements go hand in hand with a lot of the ailments that that these particular this particular subset of athletes have and it's it's really to help enhance your overall stability and strength and resilience in in those sports so let's get you strong af (laughs) let's get you strong i'd love for you to join tread strong today i will have some links in the show notes so check those out but for now thanks for listening friends i love having you here i can't even tell you how grateful i am for every single listener and I will see you next week. Have a beautiful day.